Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, How to Study the Bible, Part 1. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Begin series. I'm going to try and minister in series on the subject about just how to study the Word. And that doesn't sound maybe like as exciting of a series as some other things, but I really feel like that this is what the Lord would have me to minister because I know that as a teacher, and I know the way, and lots of people do this lots of times, we tell people that you've got to be in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word, amen, which is right. But, you know, sometimes you need just some practical, very practical, plain things about how do you get in the Word. And this is something that I've, uh, the way that I came about this, I was driving back from... Uh, I don't know, Omaha or someplace, talking with, uh, oh, we were driving back from Toledo, Ohio, talking with Clark uh, Galbraith about it, and we were just sharing some little things about how to study the Word. And Clark, you know, is in the Word. He's receiving great revelation. The Lord's really using it. And yet, as we just talked about some real basic things, you know, that I'd seen that were a mistake in some people, Clark just really got touched through it. And he says, we got to, you know, you got to share this with other people. So I've made a series of tapes on it. I'm ministering on it on the radio a couple of weeks from now or something like that. And as I've shared it with a few people, I found out that really this is an area that I don't know of anybody else that really teaches you how to get in the Word. Everybody teaches you to get in the Word, but how do you get in the Word? And how do you study it to get the most benefit? And I don't by any means claim to have all the answers on this, but I believe that there's some things that the Lord has shown me about it that definitely will help you. And if nothing else, this, is undergird, this will undergird the rest of the ministries this week as you listen to them and as they tell you about all of these things. You'll be able to take this and apply what they're talking about and get into the Word and study it out. And I believe that really it'll be a very, very helpful thing, regardless of whether it's one of the most exciting things you ever heard or not. It'll be one of the most practical and one of the most beneficial. And... Uh, Again, you know, the Lord has called me to a ministry gift of teaching, and I believe that uh, this is one of the things maybe that a teaching ministry does more so than a preaching ministry or somebody else is just give people the basics about how to do some things other people have already told you to do. So that's what we're going to be talking about, is about how to get into the Word of God and how to study it. Let's look over here in First Timothy chapter 2. Verse 15, 1 Timothy 2, 15. That's not it. Must be 2 Timothy 2, 15. I knew I was close. 2 Timothy 2, 15. It says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, that's a familiar passage of Scripture with a lot of people, but this goes right along with what we'll be talking about, that you have to study to show yourself approved unto God. Now, the word study is more than just reading, and there is a big difference in study and reading. There's a big difference in studying and hearing somebody. Did you know that you can hear people minister the Word of God, but unless you take the things that have been ministered unto you and study, you will not appear approved unto God. And also this Scripture says that the last part of it, it says rightly dividing the Word of truth. The way you rightly divide the Word of truth is by studying. And I tell you, I believe that this is a problem that has sprung up in the body of Christ is that there's a lot of people that, for instance, have taken cassette tapes, and certainly I'm not against cassette tapes. Boy, we put a bunch of them out, and they're good, but they are not an end in themselves. Nobody's life's going to get changed through your cassette tape by itself unless they take these things and study them. And the Bible says that as you study, then you rightly divide the word of truth. And I believe that one of the big problems is that lots of times we take somebody else's revelation and we take only what they've said and we get grounded in what they've said instead of taking what they've said and go back to the Word and make that a study through the Word of God, get it grounded. And as a result, there's a lot of people that aren't rightly dividing the Word of truth. And it's not that they aren't uh, sincere in their heart or anything like that, but it's that they've only taken a limited amount of in, uh, information and they've gone on it instead of taking it back to the Word of God and studying. So a part of rightly dividing the Word of truth, you've got to be able to study to be able to rightly divide the Word of truth. Now, if it's that important, then praise God, we need to learn how to study and how to go about it and uh, benefit from this. And a lot of these things I'm going to be saying, they are not specifically spelled out in Scripture like, you shall do this to study the Word or anything like that, but the principles are in the Word of God. And so I'm going to be attaching names to things that the names aren't inspired. Don't go out and go to quoting my names or anything like that because they aren't necessarily inspired. They're just things that I put on it to be able to uh, reference it. 
But there are some major different ways of studying the Bible. And, of course, there's a lot of different ways. There's no way I'm going to cover them all. But some of the main ones, like, for instance, are what I call a systematic study of the Word, where you just start, like, from the book of Genesis and go all the way through the book of Revelation. Or you could do it on a smaller scale, just take the New Testament, or you could break it down even on an individual scale, like read a certain book, the book of Matthew or the book of Ephesians, and you study like that. And that's very beneficial. We'll get into that later and explain about specifically what that will produce. Also, you can study topically. And when you're studying topically, in other words, you can take a subject like healing, like deliverance, or anything, and you can study topically. And, of course, you use a concordance lots of times to study things like that, and that is really beneficial. That's one of the most productive types of study in the Word of God. There's also meditating God's Word. We'll talk a lot about this, I think, because this is one of the most neglected forms of studying God's Word that there is. Most people don't realize that meditation is studying God's Word. And if you don't practice a lot of meditation, I don't care how much knowledge you're putting on the inside of you, you are not studying unless you use it. It is a valid form of studying God's Word. It's through meditation. And then you can do word studies. Word studies are really beneficial on being able to get, like, for instance, definitions. If you use a dictionary, you can benefit from that, but you have to always take what a dictionary says and go back and support it by the Scripture, because the dictionary is not inspired. Amen? And lots of people just take what a dictionary says as, thus saith the Lord, and I guarantee you, I've done this. I'd use one dictionary for a while, and I'd tell people, well, this is what this word means, and then I'd wear that one out, and I'd get me a new one, and I'd have to change all my definitions, because they don't match. Even Webster's Dictionary doesn't match the new Webster's Dictionary. And so anyway, you've got to realize that a dictionary is not inspired, and so a word study, you can use a dictionary, but in a word study, you can get definitions and what words mean by, for instance, taking the same word in different contexts all throughout the entire Scripture, and you can find out what that word means. Like, for instance, if you just really are having trouble with the words, you could go and take uh, some of these reference uh, materials that reference the very first place in the Bible. It gives you the next reference that that word is used, and you can go all the way from Genesis through Revelations, trace every time in the entire Word of God that that word is used, and by looking at the different ways it's used, you can come up with, I guarantee you, a perfect understanding of what that word means. And this is really beneficial, and that's a, a definite good way to study the Word of God. And, of course, there's lots of other things you could get into, like, for instance, studying history sometimes will benefit you in the Word of God, but personally I'm not into that much because, praise God, you could spend a lifetime studying history and get one good thing out of it when, you know, you can get most of it out of the Word of God. But things like that are beneficial sometimes, and there's lots of other things. But those are some of the main methods of studying the Word of God. And one of the first things that I want to say about this is that when people go to studying God's Word, the very first mistake that most people make is they try and pick one of these methods to study and they try and use that exclusively. And if you do that, you are going to mess up from the very first word go. And like, for instance, I know that there's people on the radio, and I'm not singling out any person individually, but there's people that come on and they're using the same principle that we're talking about. And they're telling people that you need to be in the Word. You need to have a regular, disciplined method of study in the Word. And, of course, everybody agrees with that. And so they come up and say, here's my plan on how to study through the Bible in one year's time. And you send in and you get their little book and you start reading through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You cover it in one year's time. Now, that's good as far as that goes. But you see, again, here's a mistake. They leave the impression that if you do this and systematically study through the Word, you're going to be in the Word. Boy, you're going to be getting the knowledge of the Word. You're going to be established. And this is it. And they leave the people with the impression if they go through this systematic study, they got it. And that's not true. That is only one of the methods of studying the Word. And if you single up on a systematic study of the Word only, you are going to be a thousand miles behind some of the other people that use other methods of Bible study. But then on the other hand, you see, some people have got into, say, for instance, topical Bible study, which will produce the most faith in a short period of time. It is one of the most powerful methods of study. And so, because they see so much results from a topical type of Bible study, where they take, for instance, the subject of healing and just zero in on it and take everything they can, that'll build your faith and it'll get you over a hump in a hurry. And it's a powerful method of study. But some people see the benefit of that and get so carried away with it that they zero in on a topical type of study and they never systematically study through the Word. And that is going to get you into bondage. A topical Bible study is probably one of the most important methods of Bible study and it's also one of the most dangerous. 
Because to study something topically to a degree, you have to take things out of context. To a degree, you're sitting there and you're trying to verify a point that you're already seen, and you can really get out of balance doing things topically. And I believe, again, that here's one of the reasons that many people, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that are preaching doctrines like, for instance, that God heals all the time, which I agree with, and they believe that it's God's will to produce healing in your body. But... They have taken it from a limited standpoint. They've studied something topically, and they've just ignored certain other scriptures that seem to be contradictory to it. They're, they're ignorant of it. And as a result, they get out of balance on what they're saying because they haven't got the rest of the Word of God, you see, that seems to be contradictory to balance it out. They never study the Word as such. They study only a certain topic, what somebody has given them scriptures to study, and as a result, they only hear one side, and they don't have the other to balance it out. Anybody get that? Shake your head yes or no. And let me give you just an example of this. Like, for instance, Martin Luther, he's a powerful man of God. And any of you that have ever studied about Martin Luther, uh, a lot of great things happened through that man. He was back during the days when the Spanish church, uh, what was that? Not Spanish church, Catholic church. <laughs> I was thinking of the Spanish Inquisition, if any of you have ever heard of that. But... Uh, the Catholic Church was ruling with an iron thumb, and anybody that disagreed with the Catholic Church was burned at the stake or martyred, all kinds of torture and things done to them. I mean, you just didn't disagree with the Catholic Church at all. And as a result, here came Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest, and while he was doing penance and going up the steps in the Vatican, saying a prayer on each step and going through all of this stuff, the Lord spoke to him out of Romans chapter 4 about, you know, that you're justified by faith, not by the works of the law. And as he saw that, he saw that all his crawling up these steps and abasing himself and doing these things was not gaining him favor with God, that it was a religious tradition. And so he began to start meditating on the Scripture, for instance, about that you're justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And he got so excited through that that it completely changed his life. And at that day, most people who were claiming to be Christians weren't any more Christians than anything. They weren't preaching uh, salvation by faith by grace through faith. And so people were trusting their own works. They were trusting their church attendance when they were christened as a baby and things like this for salvation. So here comes Martin Luther with the truth about justification by faith, and he got so excited, and again, he studied that topically, see, to the degree that it literally set him free, and not only him, but it sparked the, the Reformation. You and I are a result to a large degree of what Martin Luther did. I tell you, that man was mightily used of God. But at the same time, that man was so single upon that one truth, and he devoted himself to it because it was such a life-transforming thing in his life. Now, I agree with that. I'm not throwing stones. But he devoted himself to that truth to such a degree that he said that the book of James was not inspired. It was not supposed to be in the Bible, and he tried to get him to take it out of the Bible because of James chapter 2, where it says that a man is justified by works, not by faith only. Faith without works is dead. Now, to him, see, that seems so contradictory that he just, you know, this is what a lot of people do. When something doesn't seem to go along with their topical study, well, I don't believe that's translated right or something, or Mark 16 is not supposed to be in the Bible, and I don't believe that's in the oldest manuscripts, you know. They say that isn't in some of the oldest manuscripts, but they never mention that it's in the two oldest manuscripts, amen. It's in the basic one. But anyway, that's what a lot of people do. When they can't get something to line up, they just say, well, this must not be correct. And so he wanted to throw the entire book of James out of the Bible. I tell you, I'm glad that he didn't succeed because the book of James has tremendously, tremendously blessed me. And again, I've seen people that have taken the subject of justification by faith, which I consider myself, that's what I minister a lot. And I talk a lot about the difference between Old Testament law and New Testament grace. I minister a lot in that area. But the book of James adds a balance to this, you see, that I believe a lot of people have missed. Because there's some people that will get up and teach it. Boy, you're justified by faith. You go out and live like the devil. You can do this. You can do that. Now, they may not put it in those terminology, but there's a lot of people that, you know, Paul said have turned the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness. And you can see by some of the denominations that have taken on Martin Luther's name and others like that, that they are very loose. They don't believe in adhering to anything. Now, I am not preaching condemnation, but I'm saying that there is a truth that faith without works is dead. Now, the reason he couldn't justify these is because Romans chapter 4 talks about works of the law. The works of the law shall no flesh be justified. He took it for granted that the work mentioned in uh, James chapter 2, verse 20, is also a work of the law. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it talks about a work of faith. 
And you see, it shows you it's talking about in James a work of faith versus a work of the law. And when you put them together, brothers and sisters, I guarantee you it gives you a perfect balance. But you see, if you just studied something topically, it would be possible for you to get so zeroed in upon one truth that you would miss uh, opposing scriptures. Of course, they aren't opposing, but they seem to oppose. And it would be possible for you just to take something and run a hundred miles with it without any counterbalance in the Word of God that would give you the proper method of doing things. And so I believe that, see, one of the big problems is people get zeroed in on either studying topically or systematically or doing word studies or doing this or doing that. But to have an effective Bible study, one of the first keys that you've got to realize is that we've got to learn how to combine them all. When I first started studying the Word, see, this is a problem that I had because I'd start studying, say, for instance, I'd be reading through, and I'd get a truth on something I'd never seen before. I remember the first time I ever saw that healing was in the Bible. Boy, that turned me on. And I took, uh, uh, I took this Nave's topical Bible that had the subject of healing on it, and it had all of the Scriptures taken out of context and just put in a one page or, you know, on about four or five different pages of healing. And I studied those things day and night and read them. And then I began to take the Gospels and I just read for no other purpose. I skipped over all the Beatitudes and over the Sermon on the Mount. I just read nothing but healing instances. And I took every instance that Jesus ever ministered a healing to a person and I began to start seeing a pattern established about how Jesus ministered healing. I figured if it worked for him, praise God, it's a pretty good method. I'd just try and copy it. You know, lots of people all the time are wanting you to do something new. Well, I don't have an original thing that I've ever come up with, amen. Everything we get should be used. It ought to be just a pattern of the Lord Jesus. But see, that's the way that I started studying, and I saw so much results from it that I just said, boy, this way that I've just read my daily Bible readings, you know, a few verses at night, it's all wrong. So I completely threw out the window this systematic type of Bible study, see, and I was going to get nothing but this revelation knowledge. Well, I'd do that, and I'd reach a saturation point. Or let me, another thing we'll be dealing with later on, I'm, I'm not going to get into it right now. Many things in the Scripture are uh, built upon other principles. In other words, like a stair-step principle. Many times you're reaching for this principle up here. You're trying to learn, boy, how, what's the truth about this? And you've got five rungs on the ladder that you haven't learned yet. And you'll never get revelation in that area because, you see, you've got to start. And many things, like it says out of Isaiah 28.10, it says that they are little by little, here a little, there a little, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept. You've got to start and things build upon others. And so, because I'd studied topically, you see, I wasn't getting my foundation laid maybe in the proper order that it should, and I'd get out here where I'd reach a saturation point, and I just couldn't get any more revelation. I'd be reading, and it just would seem to be unproductive all of a sudden. And then, out of just, you know, uh, it was the leadership of the Lord. I didn't know it. I just thought, well, this doesn't seem to be working too much this way, and I'd just sit down and go to reading. And I'd just go to reading straight through, and all of a sudden... See, the Lord would bring to my attention things that I'd been neglecting because I'd been choosing the topics that I wanted to study. And so I'd be neglecting certain things. And as I read along, the Lord would be able to bring them to me as I just read systematically through the Word. And I'd get excited. The Lord would go to show me new truth. And I found out, well, boy, this is where it's at. Systematic Bible study is where it's at. You know, this, this topical thing I've been doing is just not the way to do it. And so I'd chunk that for a year. And I'd go to studying systematically. And then I'd bounce back, you know, like a yo-yo, and I'd go back to topical study, and I'd go back and forth, and really, my method of Bible study was poor. It really was. I was I was getting a lot out of it, simply because if you stick your nose in the Bible 16 hours a day, you're bound to get something, amen? And I want to stress this point. Sometimes people get hung up in the semantics of how do you do it, and I don't want you to take the instruction that I'm giving today and become legalistic and dogmatic about it. The biggest thing is getting the Word, amen. And if you're staying in there 24 hours a day, you're going to get it. I don't care if you know any of the stuff I'm talking about. Praise God, you'll get it sooner or later. But these things can be beneficial. There's no substitute, though, for just hungering and thirsting after the Word of God. That's the best method of Bible study. But if you've got that, these things can be practical and they can be helpful and beneficial to you. And so anyway, I was going back and forth, you see, and, and as a result, it wasn't productive quite the way that it should. And I believe that there's a lot of people today that when you tell them to get into the Word, I believe that a lot of people are going through the exact same thing. 
They don't really know how to get into the Word. Or either they've they found something. You may not put a name to it, but you found, you know, either topical systematic study or word study, something like that, that has been productive. And you go back and always try to do that, and you'll find times that that simply won't be productive. That's not the way God's leading you to do. Maybe He's wanting to give you some new revelation. If you stay on a topical Bible study, you cannot receive new revelation unless it is directly related to that topic. And you know, like for instance, the study of faith is a powerful study, but not everything in the Word of God is directly faith. Now, faith directly involves everything in the Word of God. Now, I agree with that. Whatever is not a faith is sin. But you know, for instance, when you go to studying on faith, many people leave out the subject of love. And Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. And unless you get single up on the subject of love, you're going to be deficient in the area of faith. And then many people center up on Mark 11, 23, and 24 and quit 25 and 26. They forget that. Amen. But 25 and 26 say that as you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your heavenly Father may forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 talks about that a husband, if he doesn't render due benevolence unto his wife, you know, his prayers will be hindered. So if you're going to talk effectively about the subject of faith, you can't deal just with faith. You've got to deal with love. You've got to deal with forgiveness. You've got to deal with strife, according to uh, James chapter 3, verse 16. You've got to deal with the marriage relationship because your prayers will be hindered. I don't care what kind of faith you're operating in if you're sitting there not giving due benevolence unto your wife. You see, there's all kinds of related things, and this is a mistake that some people make, is to think that a truth in the Word of God stands isolated by itself. There is nothing that does that. Everything in the Word of God has to be compatible with the rest of the Word of God, and it has to fit together. And if you don't know this, and if you aren't standing on this, brothers and sisters, you can get into bondage by studying one subject at the exclusion of everything else. And you can see this. You know how all of the denominations got started? They got started by the devil, basically, but one of the ways that the devil did it, like, for instance, he got them zeroed in that, boy, water baptism's it. I mean, that's it. They preach water baptism. We were out at the correctional institution yesterday at Buena Vista. Saw about 40-something guys except the Lord out there. Saw a lot of healings, a lot of good things happen. And, but while we were talking to those guys, a bunch of them had questions because a church here from Colorado Springs had been out there. And you know what they went and preached? They didn't preach Jesus. They didn't preach any of that. They preached water baptism. If you aren't water baptized, you hadn't got it. And now, did you know that there's a truth in water baptism, more truth in what most charismatics or whatever you call spirit-filled people, there's more truth in water baptism than what most people admit. Most people think, oh, it's just a thing that you do. It doesn't matter if you do it or not. Well, Jesus gave you a commandment to go baptize as well as preach the gospel. It's more important than what people have given place to it, but it's not that important that you sit there and let somebody who's going to hell get dunked and think that they got it. Amen. They need salvation. You've got to believe with all of your heart first, according to Acts chapter 8, what Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch. But you see, the reason they got into that is because they saw an abuse. They saw somebody that just was sitting there saying water baptism doesn't mean a thing. So they began to study it. Somebody studied it. Somebody came up with some truth. But instead of taking this truth and making it compatible with the rest of the truth of the Word of God, they just singled up on water baptism. It's all you talk, all you eat, and all you drink, all you sleep. You sit there and think of water baptism. And as a result, they got out of balance, they're in error, and there's a lot of division caused over a dumb thing like water baptism that should not be divided. Paul said, Jesus didn't send me to preach water baptism, but to preach the gospel. Amen. If he wasn't commissioned to preach it, well then, praise God, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. But anyway, what I'm saying is, see, they've got a partial truth. But the way that they got out of balance was they zeroed in on that at the exclusion of something else. And then there's other people that uh, have zeroed in on other doctrines, and as a result, they build an entire denomination out of one doctrine, and they may not have anything else right. But basically, nearly every denomination has some truth. Did you know it? Did you know even the cults have truth in them? They will, like, for instance, the Moonies, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, people like this, they will take a doctrinal truth, and they destroy 90% of the so-called Christians they come in contact with because they've got more revelation on some things than some Christians do. Like, for instance, the unity of the body. You don't find Mormons bickering and strifing and back and forth, amen. Jehovah Witness, one thing, they present a united witness. 
Mooney's present a united witness. You can't sit there and say, well, how come this Jehovah Witness Hall is arguing with this one? How come there's strife among them? They don't have that kind of stuff. They got some revelation on the oneness of the body, and they have centered upon that to the exclusion of all the rest of the truth. Amen. And they're sitting there trying to realize, you know, how important certain things are. There is some truth in nearly any group that you'll ever get into. But a person who's going to rightly divide the Word of God, see, is going to study to show himself approved so that he can rightly divide the Word of God. And because many people have not understood how to properly study the Word, they just do certain things to the exclusion of others. That's one reason that a lot of the doctrines and things like this, a lot of the abuses have gotten started in the body of Christ. So it will really benefit you to realize that you have to be able to combine all of these different methods. Now, real briefly, I'd like to just go through. I've already talked about some of this. I didn't hold myself back too good. Amen. <laughs> but I'm going to get into what are each one of these specific things and try and put them into uh, perspective. And again, remember that I, you shouldn't single out one of these. I don't care how much you get blessed by it. You need to properly, divide, rightly divide the word of truth. You need to combine all of it on a systematic basis. You need to discipline yourself. Uh, let me just give you another thing that I've been doing, and I don't make a law out of this, okay? When I was in the Baptist church growing up, I'd have people come through that would talk about their devotion time, and they'd talk about how, you know, I've heard fights in a church before over when is the best time for your devotions, in the morning or at night. <laughs> it's better in the morning to pray over the day and get the day started out right. Everything just goes better. And then no one says, no, I can relax more and just get everything out of my mind. I don't have to think about the day at night. I've heard people argue over when's the best time to have your devotions. And I've heard people come through and say that they read so many chapters, and I've heard people argue over, well, we're only reading two. It's no good. We've got to read three chapters every day. That's dumb, amen? So I'm not setting any things down as law. Don't anybody make an idol out of the way that we study the Word or do anything, all right? When we're home, we always study... We study some specific scriptures that the Lord has really ministered to us. We read Psalms chapter 91 every morning of the world with our boys before we get going. We read Deuteronomy 28 every morning, and then we read one other chapter systematically going through the entire Word of God. Eventually, we'll cover the whole thing, but we read Deuteronomy 28 and Psalms 91 every morning. And we do that because it helps remind us about, praise God, there's no plague coming nigh our dwelling, that the Lord has blessed us, we are not cursed, we're redeemed from that, and we keep that continually before us. And then I get up in the morning, and I, have, I don't do this regularly. I've started doing it regularly, and I'm going to keep running and doing things like that. But I get up early in the morning, I study the Word, and what I've been doing is I study on a systematic basis in the morning. And I do that. And as I do, see, if I read for an hour, and if I, if I study 15 or 20 chapters, wherever, I'm reading over in the book of Leviticus right now. So that's really something, amen. And anyway, as you study through that, that gives you a lot of things to think about. And I meditate upon these things all day long. And then as I get other times to study during the day, I'll study specifically on certain things that God has given me to study. I'll study topically. Plus, I'm combining meditation on all of those things all during the day. And that's a way of combining it all. That's just kind of a regular system. Now, there's no law out of that. You don't have to do it that way. Amen. But I'm saying that it's beneficial to do something on a regular basis where you can knowingly, knowing what you're doing, combine all all of them, you'll receive a, a greater benefit from it. Now, a systematic type of study, for instance, where you take just one book or you take the entire Bible and read all the way through. And the reason that this is so beneficial is because if you study only, like for instance on a word study, topical study, you are going to limit your amount of revelation. If you take a person's tape and if you study what they have said on their tape, that's beneficial, but it's not beneficial uh, the way that it should be if you don't combine it with your own systematic study of the Word because you're going to limit yourself to the revelation that that person has. Now, there's a lot of things that the Lord showed me. A lot of these tapes, we've seen a lot of people's lives changed and set free through these tapes. But, brothers and sisters, I don't have a corner on the revelation of God. And nobody ought to be shooting for my level of revelation. You ought to be shooting a lot higher than that because I'm not content to stay where I am. I'm still learning. And many people, you see, are just taking somebody else's revelation, doing nothing but studying it, and you're going to be locked in to never be any better than the person that's ministered to you. And that's not right. Praise God. I said this last time I was here, but did you know really that Wayne and I and other ministers... Uh, in the body of Christ, we are in a position where there's so much demand to minister that I don't have near the time to study and to get revelation as most of you all do. 
I don't have half the time that you do. And so if you look at it that way, you actually ought to be able to pass me up in short order. You ought to be able to gain everything I've got, study on it, meditate on it, get new revelation. You ought to be passing up the teachers. Man, we ought to be running to keep up with you. Now, isn't that a different twist? <laughs> Most people think, well, the layman, they just can't get it, you know. No, that's not so. You ought to be able to have a revelation. But uh, one reason that a lot of people don't is because they only study what they're spoon-fed. Chapter 12, verse 5, where it talked about the woman that had the baby. Who was that? And I said, well, it's some woman that had a baby, amen. I, I said, I don't know. I'm not into all that stuff. Then he says, well, what about Revelations 2-7? And I said, what is Revelation 2-7? He says, well, that's about the white stone with the name written on it. What do you think that means? And I said, well, I believe that someday we're going to get a white stone with the new name written in it. <laughs> he just looked at me like, you're impossible, you know, and he walked off. And then in the afternoon session, he got to asking Marilyn Knapp questions, you know, and, and uh, one person was asking, how do I start studying the Word? And the guy said, man, if you really want to get in it, the place to start is the book of Revelation. And he was telling this guy who wasn't even saved yet, trying to find out about salvation, how to get saved, starting a book of Revelation. Well, now, you can get saved reading the book of Revelation, because I guarantee you any of the Word has power in it. But the book of Revelation takes a lot of spiritual wisdom and revelation to get into it, and I guarantee you that is not where you need to start systematically studying the Word. So none of these things that we're talking about, like a technique, are just mechanical that you can stay, say step one, two, three, four, and five, do it, and you're going to prosper. You've got to be led by the Spirit, because if you're over there trying to read the begats in Second Chronicles, and you need healing, you're in trouble. Amen? Now, you can get healed through the begats. I heard a testimony about a guy that did, but that's not going to be the rule. Did you know that the Word of God ministers faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And the Word of God is very specific. You can get specific faith from specific scriptures. Like say, for instance, if you need healing, study Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, Isaiah 53, 5, 1 Peter 2, 24, 3 John, verse 2, and a lot of others. You study those specific scriptures, and I guarantee you, faith is going to come. But if you need healing, and if you go to studying about, you know, the tribulation period or something like that, you may get faith, but it's not going to be for healing. And you can verify that by our own example because every last one of you probably got started out by accepting forgiveness of sins because that's the word that you heard. You heard a specific set of scriptures ministered about how you could believe God for forgiveness of sin. Your faith was developed in that area. You believed for it and got it and you couldn't believe for one piddling thing from God besides that, amen, because you didn't hear the word on it. You couldn't believe for healing although you were born again because you didn't know the word on it. You didn't know the word about prosperity. You didn't know the word about anything. So you see, you can get very specific in what the Word will produce. A person that says, well, I'm in the Word, how come God hadn't healed me? Well, have you dealt with the Scriptures on healing? Well, no, I've been reading Exodus, amen, or I've been reading this or that. You need to use some wisdom. Those aren't going to minister healing to you. Now, there's a few over there that are very powerful along that line, but basically speaking, you aren't going to get it from that. You need to study the Scriptures that minister health to you. Everybody see that? But through a systematic study, you have to be led by the Lord, but sooner or later you need to systematically study through the entire Word because if you don't, you are going to be void of many of the things that will add a proper balance to the things that you're saying that will give you a broader understanding. It will open up new keys to you in the Scripture. You are going to limit yourself, and as I said, you'll eventually reach a point where if you don't systematically study the Word, you will limit yourself on the amount of revelation that you can get because you simply don't know the supporting Scriptures. God couldn't give you a revelation of the truth if He wanted to because you'd abuse the thing without knowing the other things that would make it work properly. Everybody see that? Like, for instance, let me give you an example on some of these things. When we're talking about redeemed from the old covenant law, now when you get to preaching faith and when you get to preaching about how God is not the author of problems and God does not tempt any man and all of these kind of things, when you deal with that, you've got to deal with the subject of the Old Testament law and grace. And I believe that to a large degree, every faith minister hits that and deals with it to a degree. But in some ways, and I'm not going to hold myself up as an example, but I'm just saying that this is the way it's worked in my life. Because I came out of a religious background and was taught a bunch of Old Testament law and bondage, I believe that I've actually been able to address some of those issues better than some other people that weren't taught that Old Testament bondage because they have topically taken what somebody has said, they've verified it enough that they know it's the truth, and they simply aren't aware 
of a lot of things in the Word of God that look totally opposite to the things that they're saying. But many of the religious people that they minister to are. And so they've never dealt with those subjects. They've never dealt with them. Like, for instance, let me just share a few examples. When you talk about God's not the one that puts problems on you and stuff like that. Now, that's the truth, and I believe that. God is not the author of your problems. But you know you cannot simply say that all the Old Testament was mistranslated and that every time somebody had something happen to them that it wasn't God that did it, that God allowed it. It was the causative, not the permissive sense and things like that because literally there I mean there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of scriptures that definitely said God smote somebody amen it called it the leprosy of God that rose up in the forehead of Miriam in in uh, about Uzziah it says that it was the leprosy of God that struck him God struck him and smote him even under the new covenant it was Herod it says that it was the angel of the Lord that smote Herod with worms that sounds pretty fierce doesn't it amen smote him with worms. In the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, you find out that Elimaeus, the sorcerer, Paul turned around and said, Oh, you child of the devil, full of all subtlety and stuff. He said, How? He didn't say stuff. But he said that the hand of the Lord is upon you, and from henceforth you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and it was the Lord that did it. The Bible says the Lord did that. Now, see, that looks contradictory to the fact that God doesn't put things on you, but it's not contradictory. That's one of the principles you have to hold to in studying the Word of God, that you ought not to be afraid to attack any Scripture. Man, we ought not to get a doctor. I don't care if Hagen preaches it, Copeland preaches it, or all of them preach it, amen, and center up on that doctrine so much that you're, you're bound and determined to prove that doctrine right regardless of what the rest of the Word says, amen. The Word never contradicts itself. And if you see something that looks contradictory, if you'll just wait a while and put them together, you'll find out that it'll support the truth. And if you're on the truth, it'll actually work together for good. It'll actually be a beneficial thing that'll help you answer questions. So all of these things where it looks like God smote people and stuff, many people, you see, just have learned a truth. They've seen it and they've been verified, and I agree with it. They've learned that truth that God's not the one that puts things on you. And so as a result, they say God wasn't the one that sent the death angel through the land of Egypt and smote the Egyptians. God wasn't the one that sent the plagues. God wouldn't have done something like that. But you see, that's not true. And there's a lot of people that know more about the Word than some of the people that are preaching it, and they simply sit there and reject what they say because the way they get there is not valid Bible interpretation. Amen? Did you know there's a man, Dr. John Charles Murphy, that I minister in his church down in Shreveport, Louisiana. He was a Baptist. He used to help uh, James Robinson and his ministry big buddies with Chris Wool and all of high echelons in the Baptist church, and he was against everything, amen. And when he first started hearing faith ministered, he was listening to all the faith preachers, and he was really receiving what they said. But did you know that when they would go to saying things and, and saying some of the, making some of the explanations, they'd say a truth that he could see and he could agree. But when they'd go to explaining some of the scriptures that seemed to be contrary, they would just flat mutilate the Word of God to get to the point that they were making. And did you know this guy... Simply, he was stunted in his growth for a number of years because these people would just simply sit there and say, oh, this is all mistranslated, the Greek doesn't say this, the Greek says this, and on and on it goes. This guy had four doctorates or something like that in Greek and Hebrew. He knew more about it and all those guys rolled into one. And when they'd quote, this is what the Greek says, I heard one guy on one tape saying that the, I heard a... This man was saying that a friend of mine studied the Greek out of this book, what this man said from quoted from this source, you know, fourth or fifth hand that the Greek said this. And the, neither one of them knew anything they was talking about, amen. And anyway, they quoted it fourth or fifth hand. And as a result, uh, this Dr. John Charles Murphy, see, he knew more about it than they did, and they were misquoting it. They were saying things that they were, they were just trying to make a point. And any way they could get there, any Greek interpretation or translation they could get to say what they wanted, they used it. Now, brothers and sisters, that's not healthy. I'm not against you using the Greek. We'll talk about this later, probably. I'm not against that, but I'm saying there's been a lot of abuses of it. There's a lot of people that just do anything they can to make their point, and that's not proper. And as a result, this Dr. John Charles Murphy, see, he accepted the principle, but he couldn't operate in it because there were so many contradictory scriptures that he would not let them just smooth over and say this couldn't be that way. 
And finally, when he came to one of our services and heard me bring out these scriptures that he had had problems with and answer them from the Word and instead of doing away with them, show how that they went along and supported exactly what we were talking about, it set him free. And that guy's life is totally transformed. I mean, he is coming on like a rocket. And it was because he was more committed to the Word in some ways than some of the people that were teaching it. He was not going to go gung-ho into a subject at the expense of scriptures that to him looked contrary. And brothers and sisters, that's a good attitude. You may sometimes not grow as fast as somebody else. I know that when I minister lots of times, there's some people, boy, that you can just say, I've heard people have written in off our radio programs and they say, Brother, I heard you for the first time today and you're right on. I agree 100% with you. Everything you teach is the truth. And I get a letter like that, and I say, boy, this guy's weird. Something's wrong with them. That doesn't bless me. Somebody that would judge 15 minutes worth of radio teaching and think that I'm preaching 100% of the truth. And he was saying, well, that's just what the Word says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And did you know I wasn't even aware of what I was doing? But I, as I ministered on the radio, I was speaking the Word out my mouth, and those specific scriptures zeroing in on a subject, boy, would just get me all pumped up and fired up. Amen. And it builds faith. If you want faith for finances, don't go to study in, you know, the old covenant about where they offered sacrifices or did this or that. Go to study in scriptures that minister concerning finances, and you'll get it built. A topical study is something that is vital, and I guarantee you every last one of you is going to need it because we're already starting off behind in this race. Amen. The devil's been at it for a long time, and he's got a head start on all of us. And you're going to find out that there will be times, for instance, when sickness attaches itself to you or comes against you, and you simply haven't got another nine years to systematically study the Word and little by little get the truth on healing. You're going to die in two months if something doesn't happen. And you had better get in the Word of God, and you had better go to studying Scriptures concerning healing and get with it, or you're going to die. Amen. So it's important that you realize that, boy, a topical study is something that you really need to be able to draw upon and to use. It will minister to you and set you free at times when nothing else will because you just need that kind of a, of a concentrated study on a specific subject. And also, as you study something topically, when you're reading systematically through the Word of God, you many times won't connect different things. Because, say, for instance, you read something over in the book of Genesis, and later in the book of Isaiah, you know, there's something that goes with it, and you simply have forgotten by that time. You haven't uh, kept your mind stayed upon it. And so as you study something topically, you will take Scriptures and put them together in a way that you never would if you don't study on a topical basis. If you were studying systematically, you'd miss it. And this is something that is vital. It's been Official, that you need to be able to have a number of scriptures on a specific subject. Let me also say this, that as you get into all of this stuff, you can't depend just solely upon reference books. You need to hide the Word of God in your heart. And like, for instance, when I study lots of times, I'll be studying along, and as I read something systematically, I'll read something that appears to be contradictory, or maybe it's along the lines of something else I've studied. And because I've been meditating on another subject, and because the Word's in my heart, the Lord will literally go to flooding me with hundreds and hundreds of Scriptures that just zero in on this subject, and it will open the whole thing up to you. Now, if you had to depend solely upon a reference book to do that, you are going to be very limited. I guarantee you, you're going to have a hard time being able to do that. But if you can hide God's Word in your heart, you'll find out that this is the way that God will direct you through your Bible study a lot of the time is that the Word will just begin to flood you concerning a certain subject. You'll see a question, and I mean thousands of Scriptures will go to flooding you. Amen? Also, this is the way that you get God to speak to you. Amen? Lots of people are wanting visions and dreams and revelations or something else. The basic, most fundamental method of God speaking to you is through the Word of God. And I personally believe that if you know the truth from the Word of God, and if you aren't adhering to it, God's not going to give you any other thing. Now, if you're seeking and if you're simply deficient, God does do other things because there are valid methods of receiving dreams and visions, revelations, prophecies, and stuff like that. But if you know the truth, and if you aren't going to adhere to the truth, God's not going to move some other way unless you just, you know, are sincere ignorant or something. But a person that's in rebellion just saying, well, I'm, like for instance, I went to a church one time and this guy came out and he said, I need a scripture on God healing cancer. And I wasn't the one ministering. It was David Ingalls ministering and this other pastor there. And so they started quoting him Isaiah 53, 5, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24 and some other things. He said, I know all of those. I want one that says cancer. 
<laughs> and boy, you know, I just like to hit the ceiling. I was sitting there listening, and I thought, what does that guy want? An engraved invitation with his name on it, you know, that says, I have healed you. You know, he knew the Scriptures concerning healing, but he wanted something else. He wanted an audible voice from heaven, or he wanted somebody to do something special. Well, now, brothers and sisters, a person like that is not going to get anything special. A person that comes to a church service that could receive from God on their own, and they simply are saying, I don't want it this way. I am going to get this. Wayne's going to prophesy to me. Somebody's going to see a vision about me. You'll be the last one that gets prophesied to. But a person that comes seeking God, you know, God can move in their behalf through prophecy, visions, dreams, revelation, whatever. But a person who's just directly rebellious towards the revelation that God's given, you're going to seal you're doomed, amen. You can't, God won't bypass His Word. If you aren't going to take Him at His Word, He's not going to use any of the other methods to reach you. Y'all see that? So when you're studying topically and when you're seeking to hear the voice of the Lord, the basic way that God will speak to you is through Scripture. And He will begin to bring Scriptures to bear on the exact problem and situation that you've got. And you need to understand that the Scripture being brought to your remembrance is God speaking to you. It's God directing you. Out of John chapter 14, verse 26, the Scripture says that, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, lead you into all truth, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have spoken unto you. That's a promise that the Lord will bring to your remembrance whatsoever he has spoken unto you. God will bring it. That's the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to quicken Scripture to you. And, it, you know, there's a lot of related things here. I don't want to get off on this for a long time, but i just got to say a few of these things. And that is that many people are all the time talking about Bible memorization. Bible memorization isn't bad because sometimes you've got to get it in your head before you get it in your heart. Amen. But you can bypass memorization if you'll just go to believing John 14:26. Now, you can't bypass reading it. The Holy Ghost can't bring to your remembrance anything that you hadn't read. Amen. Some people say, well, I'm just going to believe on the Lord quickening scriptures to me, but you hadn't read it. Well, how's he going to quicken it to you if you hadn't read it? He said he'd bring it back to your remembrance. You've got to read it, first of all. You've got to go through it. But you can draw upon the Holy Ghost to quicken scriptures to you, and he will. He'll quicken scriptures to you. And did you know, like, for instance, a lot of you are taking notes. Great, take notes. I'm not against notes. But I used to take so many notes that I found some of my notes not long ago and went back through them. And did you know 90% of them were wrong? They were in a Baptist church and stuff, and I was getting some terrible notes. Praise God I didn't study them very well. <laughs> but you know, that was a problem that I began to run into. Now, how do you discern what this guy's saying is right on, and how do you discern which is wrong? I found the best note-taking system in the world is John 14, 26. You let the Holy Ghost bring to your remembrance whatsoever Jesus has spoken to you. He'll never quicken one word back to you that I say that's not according to the Word of God. The only thing that'll ever be quickened and brought back to you is what Jesus has said. And did you know that I depend upon that? When I sit in the service, boy, the Lord goes to speaking to me, and after I get out, the Lord will go to bringing things to my remembrance, and I've got up before and preached something that I thought was a brand new revelation. Never heard it in my life. And I'll go home and tell Jamie, I say, boy, wasn't that good? I said, those people didn't know. I'd never seen that before. That's the first time I'd ever seen it. And she says, we just heard a guy last week preach on that and says, you got that word for word from him. But you see, I forget it because I don't take it as being from that person. God brought it to me. God quickened it to me. And I, I don't take it as the word of a man. I take it directly as being the word of God. And I mean, the moment it's quickened to me by the Holy Ghost, it's God that said it. I don't care if I'm quoting Wayne or anybody else. Amen. And that's the way that God speaks to you. God will quicken scriptures to you. You can have a recall of scripture. I've had a lot of people tell me, say, Brother, well, you sure quote a lot of scripture. You know, I just wish I had that kind of a memory. Well, I guarantee you, it's not something that God... I've got a bad memory in the natural sense, except when I began to believe God and release my faith for it. And some of these same people that say, Well, I just can't remember scripture. I cry, cry, or cry. Ball and squall still can't get them. They tell me they can't remember Scripture, but did you know what? Some of those same people can tell me every person's batting average since 1902, amen. They can tell me every football player. They can tell me who won the Super Bowl, who played in the Super Bowl last year. I can't tell you any of that stuff. I don't know who was in the Super Bowl last year. Somebody says, well, are you a dummy? No, I just don't pay any attention to that kind of stuff, amen. I don't meditate on it. And a person that doesn't have recall of the Scriptures because you don't meditate on it is the reason that you don't have it. Amen or oh me? That's the truth. Whatever you devote yourself to, you can have. 
And that is a ministry of the Holy Ghost, is to bring Scripture to your remembrance. So as you're studying the Word of God, see, this is one of the most important things that you can draw upon, is to begin to put the Scripture in your heart. And as you study along and come across the Scripture, I mean, you've got your own reference book built right on the inside. Amen. And God will go to quickening Scripture to you, putting them in, a, in harmony and give you understanding. And I tell you, it'll just set you free. And it's something that you have to be able to draw on to be able to study and rightly divide the Word of God. You have to be able to draw upon these things and combine them. And praise God, it'll be beneficial. Well, I'm going to quit here. We've got some more things we're going to talk about, and we'll talk next time about how to meditate upon the Word, about how that fits in and how that is a valid form of Bible study and some of these other things. And we'll get with it. Amen? And I just believe that this has been beneficial to you. Again, I don't want you to just uh, cast this out because we aren't teaching on some of the weightier matters of the law or something like that. You need to realize that this is important, that this is really important. If you can't study the Word on your own, you're going to be limited to another man's revelation. You're going to limit your life to the growth that somebody else has achieved unto. And I wouldn't want anybody to do that. Amen? Not to me or anybody else. And so to be an effective... Uh, person in the Word, you're going to have to learn how to study on your own because you got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will instruct you and teach you. And praise God, you don't have to just depend upon somebody else. Now, you can use other people. Let me also put a word of caution in before we quit that some people would take what I say and they say, well, boy, that's what I believe. I don't need anybody to teach me. Well, you don't. If you're going to be technical, the Bible says that out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, that you need not that any man teach you, but as it same in morning teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as he hath taught you, you shall abide in him. That's the Scripture, and that's true. But I guarantee you, you're going to get it slower by yourself than if you listen to somebody else. God has set in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come together in the unity of the faith. God set people with special gifts in the body to help you. And praise God that you know a lot of what Jamie and I learned, we learned by hard knocks, and that's not the way to learn them. I mean, we'd butt our head against the wall, and sooner or later we'd say there's bound to be a better way, and we'd go to the Word and find out. You know, you don't have to do that. Praise God, you can take the benefit of, of mistakes that other people have made and the things that they've learned, and you can start where we are instead of having to start from zero, amen. Now, as far as experience goes, you never get instantaneous experience. But you can gain knowledge through other people, and you will have to experience it. But you can cover the ground in one year's time. It takes somebody else ten years to cover if you'll take what they've discovered and use it. Go to the Word of God and verify. So I'm not saying that you should not depend upon other people, but at the same time I'm saying you can't depend upon other people to the exclusion of not depending upon the Holy Ghost inside of you. God sent the Holy Ghost to teach you, to be your instructor, and you're just as capable of receiving revelation knowledge from the Word as any minister that ever walked on the face of the earth. God did not give a minister a corner on the Word of God. And I think that's one thing that's setting apart what God's doing in these days is the fact that both the laymen are getting turned on and raising the dead, amen? I like that. You know, a lot of churches, the preachers, they're having to get with it because a lot of their people are outgrowing them. You ever felt like that, Wayne? He never has, huh? <laughs> I know when I was pastoring the church, man, I felt that way. I felt like, boy, these people know everything I know. What am I going to tell them, you know? And praise God, that's good. The body of Christ is waking up and realizing that the Word of God is for all. There's a hunger for the Word today. And so I believe that some of these things will really be beneficial helping us get into the Word of God. Amen? Let's stand up. We're going to pray. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.